Before we get started, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let us explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, guys, to episode 9 of Searching for MacGuffin with your host... George. Gabe. And Link. That's me. Today, we have a special episode for you guys. I mean, I think that every episode is special. That, that is true. Every episode is special. But this episode is specialer. The you want to know specialist? why? No, it's specialer. E-R, not S. But there's a reason why it's more specialer. Why is that? I think that's correct. Grammatically, that's, I think that's that correct. That is not. Uh... Why is that? Because, think about this. What year are we in? 20... 2011, according well, yeah, to George. Yeah, according to me, if you've been listening, I, I live in 2011. Okay. Well, Gabriel and I live in 2021. You're so 2000 late. That's a great reference. That's a great reference right there, yeah, baby. That's a deep, that's a deep that's cut. That's a deep that's cut. Like mm. Music classic. Not if you live in 2011. Yeah, that's right. That just happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but think about this. You are alive right now in 2021. You could have been born at any time in, throughout the history of this world, right? Mm-hmm. You could have been born in the 1700s. Yeah. But instead, you're born in 2021. Where you've been able to see all the great movies that have been coming out, right? But specifically, the Marvel movies that have been coming out. Right. Daredevil. Be- classic. Yes, X-Men. Classic. <laughs> Blade Trinity. Classic. Lou Ferrigno Hulk. Fortastic Four. The one with the fours in the title. Instead of A's. Oh, by the way, let me tell I know I shared this with George. I haven't shared this with Gabriel, but I thought of this restaurant idea. Well, it's a Marvel-themed fried chicken restaurant titled... It's based, that's based in, in, it's based in Hell's Kitchen titled The Blind Lawyer from Hell's Chicken. <laughs> I, thought was a good, <laughs> I thought that was a good title. I was really impressed with that. Tweet it. Copyright it. Tweet it and copyright do it. Do what you gotta do. Yeah, squat oh. on the domain. Oh, no the one take blind it. lawyers from from Hell's Chicken is from that Hell's yeah. Chicken, yeah. The blind lawyers from Hell's Chicken, fried rice, fried food. Yeah, it's kind of wordy and long, but hey, what works works, right? Yeah, you know what's long? Searching for MacGuffin. That's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the back to the topic, right? You could be alive at any point in life, but right now you are alive, right? in time, and right, but right now you're here. And you're able to watch all these great Marvel movies that they have that have come out. Yeah. The MCU, not the stuff before. I mean, you can also watch that, no problem. Yeah. If you want to watch Spider Man dancing in, in an emo, in his emo look. I mean, half of that stuff that. is on Disney Plus now, right? Spider Man one, two, and three years in no, Disney Plus. No, I mean they will be soon, but like why soon? Some of the other movies, because they entered with a deal with Sony to distribute them to Disney. Oh. We're not really sure if it counts with the upcoming Spider Man movie. Or if it's just the back catalog after that one. Yeah. Mm. Is that dance that he does in Fortnite? I don't remember what the dance is. Perhaps. Maybe it, oh, maybe it will be when Spider-Man comes to the game. For those of you who can't 
physically see what no we're doing. No one can physically see. We're only an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, three people in this world can see what we're doing. Yeah, you, but we're in the room, so why would you be talking to us? But we were doing the Spider-Man 3 dance where we put our hands up in the air and then we thrust at the sky. I'm pretty sure they can hear the chairs creaking. Oh, there you go. Yes. But yeah, you are alive where you're able to watch the MCU catalog. How, how many movies is that? Like 20-something movies? 22, well, we 25? We really did our research. We don't even know how many movies it is. As they scroll through the list and count them now. 6 plus 6 is 12. Yeah. Plus 11 is 13. Plus 3, 24. Our listeners definitely tuned in for basic math. 24? 24, yeah. 24 movies that have, have been out. I'm going to be honest with you. Out. I thought it was like 22. I, I had no idea. It was 24 No, movies. it's 24 movies in the span of... Eight. Oh, we're counting Phase 4? Yeah, Phase 4. Oh, okay. Since, okay. since uh, yeah, Eternals. Yeah, but you could have been alive at any point in history. He's keep on driving that yeah. point. You could have been alive at any point in history, but you're alive right now, and you're able to watch all these great movies. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the MCU, the 24 catalog movies that they have produced. And we're going to talk about what we love about them, how we enjoy them, what we hate about them, um, and other insights to, into these movies. And the best, best way to divide this is by talking about phase, the phases. There's phase one, has six movies, phase two, Six movies, then we go to phase three, and I it feels like Disney just goes crazy and yeah. just produces eleven movies, yeah, in the span of of three years, yeah, three years, eleven movies. So, I think the best way to do it is to segment this. Which Link mentioned this being a special episode. I think we're gonna divide this in two so that we can really get deep into each of the individual titles. Yes, so, it's a twofer. Yeah. So today we're going to focus on phase one and phase two. The first 12 movies of this catalog. So half, pretty much half of it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay. So let's start off with phase one. Okay. So phase one begins with our first film, Iron Man, directed by Jon Favreau. I think this movie is fantastic. What's fantastic about it? It's just so iconic. Like, okay. So one of the things I love about the, I love the Oscars, right? I love watching the Academy Awards. And I always like the little montages they make of clips of every movie. Right. And one of my the the one that they always put is of Iron Man walking from Iron Man One. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's such a badass scene. It's like, man, I just cinematically, I just think it's beautiful. The cinematography of it, it's it's just I'm. It's very simple, but it's Iron Man walking. The, you know, with the explosion in the back, and I think, wow, it's just so. To me, that's a special scene right there. It's iconic. It's iconic, yeah. And I just. That's why I really love this movie. I love Iron Man 2 because I think it's iconic. It's Although we've had uh, superhero movies done in the past, yeah, this one came out of nowhere. Right. So Iron Man 1, for me, it's my favorite one of this phase. It, it sets the groundwork not just for this phase of films, but for the entire MCU. I think if this movie wouldn't have been as good as it was, I don't know if we'd be where we are today. And what I love about it, it's just so atypical of that you know, hero's journey archetype of following that model, but also doing it within a hero that's fresh. For example, Spider-Man 2, I think, is one of the best superhero movies ever. Yeah. But we've seen the Spider-Man story, like, told over and retold. It's it's, it's mythical. It's like Superman and Batman. Mm-hmm. But Iron Man was almost like a fresh character yeah. to audiences. Even comic book fans, there weren't many epic Iron Man stories that most fans gravitated to. You have your Armor Wars and you have Enter the Mandarin. Um, but 
they're more like historical texts. And some people obviously, you know, are Iron Man fans and they get really into those stories. But at least in my experience, it's just like Iron Man was a cool guy in an iron suit. And it isn't until this movie that it kind of redefines that character for this generation. He wasn't really like an A-lister. Yeah, he definitely he wasn't, wasn't yeah. an A-lister. So it was a bold choice to go with Iron Man and an even bolder choice, I think, to go with Robert Downey Jr. as the lead character here. Question. Does he, does Tony Stark in the comic books already look like Robert Downey Jr.? Or was it after Ron, Robert Downey Jr. became Iron Man, Tony, Tony Stark, that people started to draw uh, pretty much Robert Downey Jr.? So it's just like, does he look like an Anglo-Saxon man with black hair and a goatee and a mustache? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. didn't have that like iconic beard and mustache thing. He definitely, his facial hair but, and his haircut is meant to mimic the comic book. Tony, so if you go back to the '90s comics or the cartoons, but yeah, so that's what I'm asking: I mean, was 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 he already looking like that, or did they look like that? I mean, because he he modeled the look off the comics, okay. so like the facial hair and and the haircut, it's it's atypical Tony. Okay, you know, because I didn't know that. Because to me, yeah, like if if I if they would have got Tom Cruise, for example, which was up for the role for like a long time, um, he would have had a beard and a mustache and the haircut just like that. Hmm. Okay. What I really, I think it's very interesting because this movie, not only does it start the MCU and, and, and awesomeness, mm-hmm. but I feel like this movie makes John Farvo one of the greatest uh, directors of all time. It puts him up there in a way that, I don't it makes him special. What do you guys think about that? I'm about greatest directors of all time. No, he, not okay. Well, not direct greatest. Maybe most. Yeah, will hold your horses. So they're like, okay, no, no. In the sense that probably one of the most influential people's the directors in Hollywood, because he does this right, yeah. and then later on, what is he doing right now with uh with Star Wars? Star Wars, Mandalorian, The Lion King, The Lion King. Yes. Uh, you don't think it was made, starring uh. Vince Vaughn that that set that foundation <laughs> for. <laughs> no, you don't. You no. don't think it was Elf. You don't, I don't think it was Elf. No. Do you think if they get another director, would would they be as successful as John Farber is right now? Because there are some directors no. in this list that aren't really that famous. Okay, so like all jokes aside, like Maid, Swingers, uh, Elf, it's it's a pretty respectable, a, and maybe he would get there eventually. But yeah, this is a launching pad, absolutely, yeah, for John Farber. It is, and it, and he sets the tone for the universe the tone, because yeah. he's also like executive producer, etc. From this point on, yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed obviously you guys have listed many points but in a superhero film i really liked the humor i feel like one of the main reasons the mc is so successful is the humor that that these people have into the films and it's very natural it doesn't feel like forced at any point and i feel i feel like that starts with robert Downey jr yeah and i don't know um with that hero like he kind of like like you said it's not the not a very typical type of hero he's very cocky and you could tell like he has a very he has a lot of stuff to grow into like he's very cocky he makes jokes he he just has this this life that it's like if you meet him in real life he's kind of just like i don't know if i'd like this guy right he's kind of like this rich douchebag and it's like i i don't know if i'd like this person but in the movie you just kind of like gravitate towards him and that was just one of the, I mean, one of the many things that I, that I love about this film. And the fact that also it just, it looked beautiful to me. It's beautiful, yeah. That was what, 2008? Oh, yeah. That's Amazing. so true. Yeah. And it holds up, like. Yeah, they, they, show, they show that scene in the Oscars, I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Epic. 
Well, the next film has the enviable task of doing the same for another pillar of the MCU, and that's The Incredible Hulk by Luis Letier. Is that if that's Letier? Yeah, I don't speak French. I apologize. Um, so The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton, um, as Bruce Banner. I personally like this movie. I I like this movie more than some people, I think. This movie kind of falls off of people's rewatch list early on. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. How so? Why? Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know if it's... I mean, it probably has to do with the fact that, they, that the actor's different. Mm-hmm. But, and I don't know why this is, but it just, it feels different to me. How so? Um, if I can remember this, because it's been a while since i When you I've say it, it feels different, it doesn't feel like Iron Man? Is that what It you doesn't mean? feel like, see, cause Iron Man, it's like, I can see that being in the MCU. Right. With Incredible Hulk, it doesn't feel, I don't feel like it has that levity towards it. It's It can be kind of like heavy- you know, and the that's are small. In the I was movie. gonna mention that in Iron Man. You don't think that that establishing that humor is a double-edged sword for the MCU going forward? How so? I think that sometimes the MCU films aren't able to take seriously, you know, dramatic moments or like really sit on them because they move on to the next joke at times. You don't think you haven't seen that, or just like too many jokes and not enough stakes. I feel like it was nice at this time. It was a nice change of pace for Incredible Hulk because Bruce Banner's life was not, you know, sunshine and roses. He's not a rich. He's like on the run, you know, because he has this terrible condition and every he's a wanted man. And it's kind of like the exact opposite of Tony, like a brilliant scientist who doesn't get to experience like the joys and triumph of, you know, being rich, basically, and being able to to just, you know. I like that. It's be a hero. Op- he is the opposite of Tony. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. That's a good point. You might have changed my mind. <laughs> okay. It's time to watch, rewatch The Incredible Hulk. I think it probably falls off people's list because it's not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> not mine. I, th- I think it's I think it's the, the difference of the actors. and It might have been an experience that I had watching that movie. Yeah. I, I really don't know what it is. But every time that I do like a rewatch, it's just... I feel like that's one to skip. Which I don't know why because the movie's... The movie's, the movie's good. Great. I what I like about the movie is the the fight between the Hulk and Abomination. Yeah, and you get to see that what is it? What is it called? The, that slap that he that he does with the thunder thunder clap, clap yeah. right? Like you see that. And I remember when in the movie theaters when we watched it that he did the thunder clap. There was a guy that was by us that he stood up and he started clapping because he loved <laughs> that moment. And I thought, man, it's one of those because these movies, you know, they all come from comic books, but it's right. rare that they capture. Like so, little things in the comic that yeah. make it special. Mm-hmm. There's other movies that do it. I'll talk about that later. But this one, when it with that little moment right there, I'm like, man, I love that. And it's almost like there's no context to it. It's you it's, feel like if you know the thunder, you know, yeah, it happens. You're right. like, that was for you. Yeah, yeah. That's why you know it rewards those hardcore fans, and mm-hmm. that's what I loved about it. And I, you know, you mentioned something interesting that there is a there is a change in stakes and. And humor when it comes from to when we come, when we go from Iron Man to the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. and I do wonder if it's because we all know Tony, you know Robert Downey Jr. is great. Right. He tends and as a person he tends to be a little sarcastic, kind of like Tony, too mm-hmm. much, right? But then when we go to Edward Norton, he seems to take the craft a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Um. 
some of the movies he's done in the past. Like hot take, Robert Downey Jr. is not a serious actor. Continue. I feel like he's acting himself, like Ryan Reynolds acting himself nowadays. Are you? I think it's like 50-50. It's like you have to watch the movie where he's a tour de force actor and then the movie where he's just selling his image. He goes back and But that's forth. a problem that he's only been selling his image for like the past, what, 13 years? I don't know. Did you see that movie where the violin and Jamie Foxx? Uh, you didn't see Doolittle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, you're right. How many movies, how many Marvel movies has, did he, did he not do within, during that period? I mean, I think he's, I, I felt like, oh, he's in this Marvel movie and then he's doing like Oscar bait. Oh, he's in this. Is it as often as it is? Is it? As I, you say it is because I don't think so. I think it's like once like phase phase three starts to ramp up, I think that's where he just doesn't take any as, as many. He's just projects. too busy. Yeah, there's he's too like much he stuff. goes all in because he's about to cash out. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that Edward Norton is at least with what I've seen, he's more of a serious actor in his roles compared yeah. to Robert Downey Jr. Right? I think he takes it well. This movie has a lot of well documented issues creatively and. Some of that comes from Edward Norton. Right? Yeah. Which goes, which what you were saying, like it's, the humor is different. Mm-hmm. And when we go from Robert, from Edward Norton to Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo as an actor, as the way he portrays Bruce Banner, he's more humor oriented in a way. You, got, you guys like Ruffalo as the Hulk, as Bruce Banner? He okay. actually gets to play both, right? Banner and the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in between? Yeah. I do like him. I wasn't I honestly I wasn't too familiar with Ruffalo before. Yeah. Um but I also I mean I just saw him as the Hulk guy. But I when I when I was able to see him in other stuff, he's actually really good. Yeah. I really enjoy the stuff that he's in. Um as far as what I preferred Edward Norton? Yeah. I think I Edward Norton know. might be a better actor. He I think he is as well. But I feel like Ruffalo gets the because it's because Marvel has, like you said, it has that sense of humor, like a style of humor. Yeah, I feel like Ruffalo embraces that more. I think Ruffalo meets the tone more. Yeah, than, meets the tone. There you go. Yeah, more than I think Norton. he's a great actor, but I kind of don't want Bruce Banner to have that tone. I don't know if that's you want someone. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want him to be more grounded, more serious, more huh? maybe even depressed. I think Ruffalo. I, I was a big fan of his early work, things like Collateral and. Other breakout roles that he had early on, like Serious Fair. Mm-hmm. But I think his banner is very jokey. I think is and like you said, it fits the tone. It fits the tone. Like they're yeah. writing for the film. But I feel like I'm not really sure what his take on banner is. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure like I'm not sure that I'm convinced that he's a super genius. Yeah, that w- that was one thing that I was gonna I feel like Norton can convince me of that. Yeah, like if I'm in a room with Edward Norton, I'm this guy smarter than me. You know? But it's like I always like refer to Tony being the the household genius and mm-hmm. then I sometimes like it's not till later on that you see like oh this guy's actually really smart yeah. <laughs> yeah I think Banner under Ruffalo's work like slips on a lot of banana peels has a lot of like funny facials you kind of feel like Ruffalo's Banner isn't as tormented yes as yeah. as um, Norton's mm-hmm. in a sense which I mean that you bring up a good point um that Bruce Banner does struggle with being the Hulk. And I feel that when you get the the Ruffalos, it's not like maybe for one movie that he's kind of just like Yeah. I think he mentions it in Avengers. In Avengers, yeah. right? Yeah. In that scene in India. Yeah. So then we're back to Iron Man 2 right after, which is so funny because 
We wait so long for these sequels nowadays. No. Yeah, it's funny to think that we just went from Iron Man to Hulk back to Iron Man for Iron Man 2, also directed by John Favreau. It took two years to make, so... Yeah. Which I think, cutting back to the first two movies, mm-hmm. the the after credit scenes. Oh, yeah. What would become a long, enduring tradition that is almost... That affects you to like every movie you watch. Like yeah. I don't know why. Like I know this movie is a is a stand. Like it can be a random movie. It'll mm-hmm. be standalone. Why am I staying after the credits? Obviously, like of course you should like pay respects to the people that made the film, put so much work into it. Absolutely. But like sometimes it's kind of like I'm expecting more footage mm-hmm. or something to happen after the credits when I know nothing's yeah, gonna. That's happen. how I was after Encanto. I'm like, what am I? What- Am I going to miss something? It's like all the time I'm just like Googling. After yeah, it, it, it is a just a part of the experience where as soon as the credits are, are on, once the black and white credits are are scrolling, Google, is there something after the credits? Because it could be any movie at this but what, cause we This is popularized here, right? Yeah. But it wasn't the first time it was done. Well, my first experience was it was the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That's the first one. Okay. Yeah, which was super, what about What about before that? Because Daredevil has a scene like that. What? I don't even remember that. Yeah, Daredevil. he has a scene where... where but all the way after? At the all end the way the after with Bullseye, yeah. No or way. maybe it was before. No, that's before. It was like, there's like the, the minor credits and then mm. and then they do it. And then it just goes on. I'm almost certain. But what about the X-Men movies? Do they also do that as they well? They do do that. Yes, yeah. actually, the X-Men do do that. Yeah, actually, you're right. So they popularize it, but it's it's been done before by other uh, superhero movies. But those are also Marvel movies, though. Not They're not part of the MCU. See, I think what it was is in when it happens in Iron Man, I'm like, oh, this, we might get another Iron Man movie. Mm-hmm. And then what, Hulk comes out. What's the, end, what's the one for Iron Man? I don't remember. I yeah. think Nick, Nick Fury, Fury uh, oh, okay. and listen yeah, 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 for yeah, the yeah. Avengers yeah. Initiative. Yes, yes. And then everyone starts to get excited. And I don't know why. Um, when I saw Hulk and then I see, I see Tony come in and talk to General Ross, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I don't know why I wasn't like correlating the two to be connected. Like I was just so used to standalone films. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, what? This guy's in this movie? They're going to be. The-. And then after then it started hitting. I was like, oh, this is going to be this could be something big. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I still had no idea to what scale it would have happened. And I don't think Marvel did either, because I think they had no idea where they were going with that scene after, after Incredible Hulk. They retcon it later to explain it. But it's like. I need you for the Avengers. And then like Tony's like, hey, General Ross, I need you for the Avengers. And then Iron Man 2 is like, nah, we don't need any of you for the Avengers. I still think it worked because I saw Tony talking to someone from Incredible Hulk. Yeah, well, there's a short film called The Specialist that was on one of the Blu-rays. And it explains that scene, like why Tony's the guy. To, apparently, he's coming to try to get Abomination on the team. But he's set as like a patsy, like to annoy General Ross, so that Ross doesn't put Abomination on the team. I didn't know that. Oh, really? You haven't seen it? No. We'll watch it after. So Iron Man two, what were your thoughts? I want my bud. I felt like Iron Man two was fun from the intro. Well, obviously the intro is kind of sad with Mm -hmm. Vanko. Vanko, right? Yeah. What's his name? Ivan. But when like when Tony comes in like he's like has that like he comes in in the suit and everyone's like cheering him on he's got the cheerleaders and I don't know why. Also, I feel like Iron Man really um, attached 
ACDC. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. it just, it popularized it in my head. And after that, like, I I just turned into an ACDC fan. And. Which it, is hilarious because you think it would have been, like, the Iron Man song. Right? And that's, like, only in the credits. But yes. it's, like, it. I only think of. Now just, when it's Iron Man, I just think of ACDC. Right, because Tony listens to ACDC, right? Like, in the movie, we have Black Sabbath, but Tony listens to ACDC, so it's part of his character. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, him coming in to shoot the thrill and having the whole entrance and, like, saying it, we're back. I thought that was, I thought that was really fun. And I started off the movie really enjoying it. And then also the, um, the cast, the cast change. Oh, with, yeah, this is the moment if you said we're going to switch our Hulk, we switch our war machine here. Don Cheadle makes his entrance early on in the film. And he acknowledges it as well. Yeah, how how does he do that? He makes that joke like that. I forgot he, what he said. Yeah, he comes into the he comes into the courtroom and then Tony greets him and he's like, "I'm here. Deal with it." And then that's yeah. not word for word for word, so but that's basically what he says. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. He's talking to us. How do we feel about the cast? I love, I love Don Cheeto. I love Don Cheeto, yeah. What about? Terrence I think Terrence Howard? Howard did fine. Um, it's not that I don't like him, but I think, I think they did. A, if they had to replace him, I think they they did a good job. Yeah. What this you, is a. I think uh, it was an upgrade from from uh, Terrence Howard. Yeah. Whereas with Norton and Ruffalo, I think there's a downgrade, but Ruffalo does get the tone mm-hmm. of. Which is funny because I think. You'll get this opinion from some people about that, the Hulk downgrade, but I think most people are just so used to Ruffalo. Ruffalo, yeah, exactly. Like you said, they don't even remember that. But um, with with this change, this is kind of a learning curve for Marvel, I think, because this is two recastings super early on. And I think they start to figure out, we need to do something about this. Like, we can't Mm -hmm. have, we can't be losing people left or right, because imagine if you show up to Avengers and half the Avengers are recast. Like, yeah. Any other thoughts on Iron Man 2? I mean, Sam Rockwell? Oh, yeah, he's excellent. He's, I love he's Sam hilarious. Rockwell. I, I have yet to see a Sam Rockwell movie that I don't... I mean, a Sam Rockwell performance that I don't like. So, to me, he stole the movie. Okay, performance, yeah, but not movie. Any movies that Did you I, don't like of Sam Rockwell's? I, I mean, I also don't think I've seen a movie. Watch Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I've seen, I've seen the ones with the, the guy from... that directed Three Billboards in... In Ebbing, Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. That guy. He also did Seven Psychopaths. Oh, I love and Seven that, Psychopaths. That movie's great. He's great in it. He's great in uh, Jojo Rabbit. Everything. Every movie he's yeah, I've seen of him, he's awesome. Yeah. I, love. I remember seeing Iron Man two way too many times. Uh, how, how many times did you guys watch Iron Man two in the theater? Like four or five. Probably however many times you saw it. Yeah, but like within the span of like maybe like ten days. Ten days. Yeah. Yeah, it was in. By. When they when these movies were coming out, they were being released at twelve a.m. Yeah. So you had to make the line. You couldn't like order your tickets online. So you had to stand there in line, and we were always the ones standing there in line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but you, none of our friends or family members were. Exactly. Right. You stand there with the diehards. You watch it, and the next day when your family gets up and they they can actually watch it, it's like, all right, we're gonna go. And it was towards the end. I mean, I was in what middle school? Yeah. It was towards the like it was towards the end of the school year, like mm-hmm. summer's coming up, finals week, and it was like it became a trend that it's like, oh, we're gonna watch the Marvel movie. Yeah, and so that was so watching at midnight, and then probably like Friday during the day, and then throughout the weekend, watching the multi. Yeah. You try it because I mean you have different groups of friends that haven't seen it yet, and you just 
want to keep watching. Yeah, and that theatrical window was wider, so it would be a long time and before you're going to be able to see it at again, home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then buying it again was like another experience. Like, oh, the Blu-ray's coming out. Watch it. What do you guys think of the villain Whiplash? Because I, I liked, um, I forgot his name, the actor. Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Rourke as Whiplash. I thought he did yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But it was a forgettable. So it wasn't that special. We're still in phase one here, and I think that they are like cheaping out Marvel. They're learning some lessons. I know notoriously they did not want to pay for a accent coach for Mickey Rorick, so he had to go do his own travel and learn the accent to speak with a Russian accent on his own. Really? Yeah, because they wouldn't get him a dialect coach, which is also why Scarlett Johansson doesn't have a Russian accent. And it's also why um, Abomination, uh, Blonsky, is British. He's a, he was like born in Russia or Russian parents, but like raised in England, and he has an English accent. Wait, is Tim Roth English? Yeah, Tim Roth mm-hmm. is English. I also love, love Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth is great. Yeah, but uh, so they were cheaping out, and I think that's kind of like they weren't particularly worried about their villains at this point, and this trend kind of emerges, I think. So they got they kind of lucked out because they underpaid Rorick too as well. And they were underpaying actors a lot. Yeah. At this time, so they just lucked out. They, they paid for it later on. Yeah. So Rorick was on an upswing. He did amazing. And I watched this movie so many times, like I mentioned. I think I came, I was obsessed with it, and then I came around the other, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I like this movie that much because I started thinking, this isn't so much Iron Man two as it is, you know, Avengers point five. You know, there was a lot of elements there that didn't have to do with the first film. And it just felt like it was selling the next movie, mm. which is, it was a problem to me at the time. And I think it's because I hadn't understood Marvel's vision yet. Even though we had seen like the cameos, we hadn't realized that these characters were going to start weaving in and out of each other's movies um, because we still had to set up some of the big players. And the next one, the next big player that they set up is Thor by Kenneth Branagh. And that came out in 2011. It came out on my birthday. May 6th, right? For George, it just came out. So. Yeah, that movie is it's the hot new movie that I'm watching. <laughs> so, 10 years ago, Thor comes out. What was your response? I loved it. At the time, Thor was my favorite Avenger. Okay. Um, Like when this movie hits or before that? Before that. Really? Why? Yeah. Well, different compared to the other, other ones. You know, okay. He's a, he's a god. Right. He's Greek, you know, there's that Greek that Norse. Norse. Not, yeah. not Norse. Like not Greek. Norse uh um mythology. Mythology in it. And I at that time I was reading comic books and I just I liked Thor. Yeah. I remember being really excited about this movie because of the director, Kenneth Branagh. I love his Shakespearean work. Do you think it was gonna be more like that? I think it was like that though. I think it was. I think my favorite parts of this movie is everything that takes place in Asgard. Everything that takes place among the Asgardians, like, that's my favorite movie. Mm. And then when it comes down to, like, the little town in Texas, like, that stuff's fine. I agree. It feels small. I agree. Because... That town is... Yeah. yeah. It it looks like they built that town. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did build that town. Okay. I agree because I didn't watch Thor in theaters. Right. I had just come back from Guam, Mm -hmm. and and I was, like, in a torrenting phase, so I torrented the film. Okay. Wow. Confession, Mm -hmm. sorry. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And so when I watched it, that Asgard stuff was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the grandeur, like it was it was a step up. Yeah. Like, you know, like 
we were still in Iron Man and like and and even in in Hulk. You know what's beautiful? That ceremony at the beginning where Thor and Loki have their comic book accurate helmets. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah, and it's like oh, oh. they one of those little moments they get. Yeah, that, we talk, that I was talking about the thunderclap of yeah. Thor. And regarding um more of the other stuff, uh, Anthony Hopkins. He's amazing. They oh, got Anthony Hopkins. Like, yeah. This was a huge get. At the yeah, time. that's a huge. That's a huge get. He's a fantastic actor and. And I think that scene where he's like fighting, he's bickering with with Thor. Silence. Yeah, and he and he like casts him out, and they have that whole argument. Yeah. Um, that was super powerful. And I actually read that when they were filming, that their acting was so good that people on the set, like the cast and crew, were like visibly like shaken. Like someone, were, like people, were, I can see people that. were crying. And I was just and like, it's stuff like that that when you like read about it and then you watch it back again. You have those little tidbits of information that's mm-hmm. like it makes it's a, it makes it um special and it makes it different, right? And I mean, I really appreciate that. Not, I thought Anthony Hopkins killed it, and I really um actually enjoyed seeing Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, what a get for them! That and are, Natalie Portman that came out of nowhere, right? Because yeah. no one, I don't think many people knew about Tom Hiddleston, right? Mm-hmm. And then here he comes, and that Thor is awesome. Loki steals a movie, but Loki steals a movie, right? Yeah. No, for sure. Not only that, he steals every. From there on, like people just love Loki. Yeah, yeah. To a to the point where he has to turn babyface. He has to go from a villain to a to hero, an antihero. Yeah. Yeah. What's the low point of Thor? The villain. The Whoa, stuff was it? a tin can. <laughs> What's a tin well, can I feel from like that? I feel like the villain though is is clearly Loki. Loki. So, but yeah, you're right. Like the destroyer. Yeah. I think he's called. He's just a tin can. I think you bring up a good point with the town, um, which I'll probably get back to when we get to the. Okay, so it's like a tale of two movies. For me, I thought what you were gonna say was Thor's eyebrows. Oh, that's that's part of what's coming up. Oh, okay. So, but what I really like about Thor too is that they add a second superhero in Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. You get to see Hawkeye. You don't get to see much of it, but it's like oh, a little cameo of Hawkeye, which sets up seeing him again in, in, in Avengers. And that's where it starts to kind of be like, oh, anybody can pop up anywhere. Exactly. Also, Chris Hemsworth was jacked. And I don't think I had seen someone like mm-hmm. that ripped. You think he does steroids? As a... <laughs> We're not gonna... Um... Chris Hemsworth, I know you're listening. <laughs> you're one of our listeners from Australia. Yeah, you're our only 45. subscriber. <laughs> do you do steroids? We're not gonna tell anyone. But if you do... I'm not here to speculate on what supplements Chris Hemsworth is taking or not taking. But the guy was jacked. The guy was yeah, and he it's a lot of push. He actually man. the the outfit that they had for him. Yeah, he actually got too big for it. Really, to the point where like, because he came in, he tested for it. He he did the test suit. Yeah, and then I believe one of the one of the directors were telling uh, one of the producers, the director was telling him, "Hey, like we need you to to get a, a little bit bigger." Because I guess I think he was lean. But I think the guy just put on masks that by the time he, he came back, like when they were actually filming, he was like cutting off his circulation and they had to fix it. It was those just. Are, those are problems I wish I had. That's true. But luckily I never will. You remember, was this a movie where, where Tantan came dressed as Thor or was that in Avengers? Oh, I think it was in Avengers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll a, talk about it. That was hilarious. There. Don't forget that. That's yeah. an interesting anecdote. So we love Thor or at least half of it. We liked the other half, too. Uh-huh. It was a good movie. But half of it was a great movie. And then, the last piece of the puzzle. 
before we get to the big one. It's Captain America, the first Avenger. This was almost a misstep. You guys know about this? All right, elaborate. Okay, so there was a lot of production problems with this movie. And they basically lost their director very shortly before filming begins. And Joe Johnston comes in and he takes over this project. And Joe Johnston is a, a controversial filmmaker, to say the least, because um, I think he had just finished doing uh, The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had, yeah. Yeah. And that movie was... Besides Kenneth Branagh, all the directors are getting are people like, you know, up and coming or not, they don't have a good... They're they're well established because they have yeah, something good Yeah, but they're not, you know, they're not like... Because Latier had already done The Transporter, and Transporter 1 was like super good. But they're not... How do I explain it? You know, they're not Michael Bay. Not not that I want Michael Bay. But they don't have that. You're going to have to no, unpack no. that one. They don't have the they don't have the power like the 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 name that Michael Bay had. Or Jumanji? He... he was they weren't big they blockbuster were big, yeah, directors, exactly, right? Yeah. They had a good film or two under their But you know... but they weren't big, you know, popular. Right, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um I do think that Marvel does popularize the uh, the blockbuster director. Mhm. Um, John, oh, yeah, that's I said, and that's why I said I think John Farble was so influential because he becomes a pop, uh, blockbuster director because of this. I think they still do that now to this day. I think it's a launching pad for directors. They still they get them young and early. Maybe they have like a, you know, a sleeper hit. Yeah, like uh, the guy from man, the guy from the Fast and the Furious, Tony Danza. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy did Tokyo Drift, and then he ends up taking the Justin Lin. Yeah, Justin Lin. Right, he did a Marvel movie. He was supposed to, right? Was supposed to. I'm not sure with this line of. I think he was supposed to do just. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. He did. He was remember he was supposed to do a uh, Flash, or something like that. I thought he didn't. He do Aquaman. Who, who oh, that? Aquaman. There he we did go. Do Aquaman, yeah, yeah. yeah. My bad. My bad. Yeah, Aquaman's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> okay, so Joe Johnston comes on board, and he takes over this film at the last minute. Um, I think. To mixed results, some people love this movie. Some people, it's their favorite Marvel movie. Have you heard this? Okay, so I when, when this movie came out, I thought it was good. I liked it. Mm-hmm. But this movie got ruined for me because a friend of mine yeah. uh, said that this movie was better than The Dark Knight. Okay. This, this is when Facebook was at its prime, and I would have arguments with people on Facebook. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, okay, I hate this movie. This movie's not obviously not as big as... The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, "If not, the Dark Knight's a ninety-eight out of a hundred, this movie's a ninety-six. And I was like, "Okay, I hate this movie." So <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> how dare you say that? Wait, wait, she said it was better than the Dark Knight. She she was arguing that it was better. And, you said it was, but then she, she rated it, it and she oh, gave it a ninety-six <laughs> when after, the Dark Knight no, was a ninety-eight. After I argued with her, and it, okay, she was like, "You okay. talked her down." I talked her d- to two points off. Yeah, apparently four. <laughs> No, you said ninety eight and ninety six. Oh, or three, because she said it was better. So well, where are these numbers quick coming from? Maths. No, because you said ninety eight and ninety six. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and then you're like it, four, and then three. No, four or three, because if it's what's if it's ninety eight, what's better than ninety eight? Ninety nine. Oh, so you're saying Same. she? It would have been because you couldn't you couldn't like nail down what number yeah, she exactly, would have rated it before yeah, exactly. she you talked her down to me. Exactly. Okay. But I was like, okay, and because of that, not as 
and it's a bad movie, but it's mm-hmm. you know it's like okay, this is obviously not as good as the Dark Knight. It's not up there with the Dark Knight. Okay, yeah. What about you, Gabe? I'm still shocked at what you just said. Um, was it the math or? Or just that someone would dare put it that close to the Dark Knight, or even better. Honestly, I don't even. Okay. Line of questioning. <laughs> so this is actually my wife's, one of my wife's favorite. It, it's her favorite Captain America movie. It's one of her favorite events. One of her favorite. What? It's her favorite Captain. My America jo- My jaw just dropped. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, these first Avenger people—they're everywhere. Wow. I mean, I I can I see where you're coming from because one of my best friend is like he he's the same way. Like he loves. He loves Captain America. Captain America is one of his favorite heroes right. because of this film. And I mean, I like this movie. But I just don't understand. There's, but there's people in like there's their top five, their top tens, and I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. That's a I guess it's a hot take. Yeah, I I I went into this movie excited because Joe Johnston directed The Rocketeer in the nineties, and I was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah. Also, I said Jumanji earlier. Yeah. He also directed Jumanji, which is, I just didn't oh. want it. I didn't want it to be like a random comment that okay. I just said Jumanji out of the yeah, which also was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Oh, you don't and have I, Tourette's and you're just saying random movie yeah. names. I love Jumanji and The Rocketeer Chronicles of Narnia. With that being said, they are nowhere near anywhere <laughs> the Dark Knight or the best, <laughs> or they're not in the same category as the best Marvel movie ever. Do you think that you kind of fell out of uh, out of love with Joe Johnson when he made Jurassic Park three? I wasn't even aware he made Jurassic Park yeah. 3. So, subconsciously, maybe, because <laughs> that movie is horrific. But Joe Johnston, and he does this a lot. He likes to pick up projects late, and then so sometimes they're terrible, and then sometimes they're good. And it's like... You can't really blame him, can you? Yeah. So, we're like, we see what you're doing, Joe Johnston, because we can't tell if you're a good director or not. If it's good, I made it. If it's bad, it's the previous director. Right. So, this I- movie's good, but it's flawed. I think, in my opinion. But Chris Evans. I almost got the Chris's. <laughs> but Chris Evans. It took me a while to, to um, jump on the Chris Evans bandwagon. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. This movie didn't convince and me. And this movie did not convince me. Plus, he was already the Human Torch. Yeah. I don't like it when actors play different uh, superheroes. Like Michael B. Jordan? Specifically, when... If they're Human Torch. No, yeah. Specifically, if they're in the, if they're, if they're in the same... Uh, if they're already in the same company you get me right like you're going from marvel to marvel does it make so it's okay when like jay jonah's jameson becomes um gordon commissioner gordon and then jay jonah jameson again yeah okay (laughs) i mean i'll justify that all right because it's it's bound to happen now especially with marvel right especially with so many movies movies, exactly so you know christian bale dark knight is now going to be in in thor and you hate that not that i hate that but it's like Batman, bro, you can't do that. Okay. You're literally ba- you can't jump on the Christian Bale. Do you hear this? You can't back out, back you out. Can't now. Do this, what are you gonna do, Christian Bale? Assault me with your words? Come on, Tom Cruise. So you'll get canceled. With that being said, Captain America: The First Avenger. To me, my nitpicks are: I really wish Hugo Weaving was in it more. Mm-hmm. I really wish he wasn't like a Nazi caricature. I really wish that the movie didn't try really hard to stop them from being Nazis. And just becoming Hydra, like, immediately. Like, we don't want to talk about Nazis. Um, It's campy, which Very. is fine. But it kind of holds it back, in my opinion. One thing about this movie that makes it important is that it's the first 
a Marvel movie that's written by Christopher Marcus and Steve McFeely. Mm-hmm. And from there on, they end up writing pretty much all the big uh, Marvel. They pretty much write, end up writing a lot of the Marvel movies. Right. Like Thor the, Thor the Dark World, Thor the Dark World, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. So they get these two writers, and they pretty much run with them the whole, the whole, the whole thing. And they keep giving them work even after Thor the Dark World. Kevin Feige did not uh, give up <laughs> on them because you're right. It's Captain America, uh, the first Avengers, then Thor the Dark World, but then they find their stride in. Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity mm-hmm. War, Endgame. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Those films are. But I mean, can you really fail those movies at that time? Like, I mean, I think what's good about them, though, the writing is yeah. a big part of it. So I give them credit. I do wonder though, if um, what, what movie did the Russo brothers? Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. I yeah. do wonder if the Russo brothers have a big play yeah, in that. That's so true. Yeah, and it's funny with writing credits in Hollywood. It's really hard to differentiate. What? Yeah, who's who's and unless what's you understand what. different style, like oh, you can tell this is written by. Yeah. Him, but you're right. Even then, sometimes you'll you'll make those assumptions, and then the writer room themselves Self, will yeah. be like, oh no, that was I got that from this guy. He brought it up, and everything. So all the foundations are in place, right? Tony, Bruce, Thor, and Steve, the Avengers, 2012. Well, you by- also get uh. Black Widow and Justin. Iron Man too, right? Yeah, you got Black Widow, you got Hawkeye, kind of, and Thor. Yeah. And Thor. You know what? You're right. I said that Hawkeye. But the four is, pillars. Are. I said four. I said that in Thor is the first time you see another hero. But you're right. They have a uh, Black Widow in Iron Man. Iron Man too. That's Thor. right. So I yeah. take that back. I'm sorry. And then next year, May 2000. I mean, in May 2012, we yeah. see Marvel's The Avengers. Marvel's The Avengers, which at the time was the biggest thing ever. I think so too. Yeah. Right. Which, when we look comp- looking at it now, how small was that? Yeah, we're yeah. celebrating. No, we're like four yeah. heroes being well, together. Six five, heroes six? being together. Listen, yeah. listen. But four movies. Let, let me enjoy the Avengers. Let's let's stay where we are now. No, 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 no. Enjoy it's great. the it's Avengers. Great. We, it's great. The other ones will have their time. It's you know, great. and and it, and it's you said they're small, but they're small in comparison. This comparison. movie's still huge. No, this movie's huge. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes are big. Um, Tony almost dies again. <laughs> yeah. Or for the first time. But back then, it felt big, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like, wow, this is what a Justice League movie would look like. Probably the biggest thing that I had seen on screen, yeah. I yeah. think. I mean, I remember standing in line for hours, hours to get a crack at this movie early. I think it might have been a week. A week early, yeah. Yeah, a week early, early. And I stood in line all day. I took the day off of everything. Like from three to... to... No, I think it was like seven because it was right, a, yeah. since it was a pre-screening, you didn't have to wait we till midnight. Waited midnight. in line for that. Yeah, it was like four. No, I mean, I think it was three for us because actually, I didn't, I didn't take the day off. I think I had to get out of. I know someone was standing in line for me early. Okay, so it was I, probably me. I think it was yeah, me and Pookie. Yeah, so I think you guys got there like right, at, at twelve yeah. or something like that. See, you guys saw it early, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and <laughs> you guys seeing it early. Um, I'm a good person. Everyone know that I am a great human being. I am the salt so, of the earth. Here we are. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I'm the salt of the earth. Me and a group of friends were at, we are at a we're at like at an event, and Link comes. See, Link walks into the building, strutting, 
spreading all over the place. I, mean, I saw Avengers. I saw he didn't say it. If but you, you can, watched Avengers a can, week before it came out, you are allowed to strut. You pretty much you're the coolest person in that room. But you could see it on his face, and I'm not denying that. There's a twinkle. But this guy in my eye. comes up to me and he goes, Colson dies. Oh no. Before I even say how was the movie, he just says Colson dies. Wow. And you know what great powers come with great And I no, no 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 and I abuse <laughs> no, that no, power no, no, no. and I, I I am sorry. I looked at him and He didn't know if it was true, if I if and I was bluffing. Was, and it was rage. But you didn't know if I was bluffing or not. I was still so pissed. But at the end of the day it was true. I was yeah, still he realized so he realized so that tell, when he watches it. So later. when I go and watch it in the actual in the movie with me, I was so mad. I was so upset. And I I think I just looked at you and I was like I didn't say anything, I just shook my head. Because I was so upset. I was like, how could you... I'm still good. Which I kind of vowed to, to get my revenge. And you have. But I have... Nope. I haven't, had, have. I haven't had the heart to... Because you're a better person than me. I haven't had the heart to do it. And you're, I really want to. You're, you're a better person than me. You're I'm not still a disgusting ma- person. I'm still making You're not a disgusting person. But agreed. This, I mean, when I saw it with all the, the normal people. Mm-hmm. Opening night. Yeah, the plebs. It was it was packed. It was a packed house. This was such an event that actually I remember that was around the time like I think Twilight was pretty big, mm-hmm. and people. I mean, this is a side story, but people were like confusing me for Taylor Lautner. Okay, and I was really confused. Well, we for, call we called you Jacob all the time. No, still, but that's between us. Yeah, that was between our friend our, our group. But this was other people that were like freaking out. And I, I mean, at the time, I was wearing like a tie, I was shirt and tie and stuff like you that. You just were wearing like a jean shorts like and no pre- shirt. Yeah, you were just pre- walking around. <laughs> no, but like around with dogs. as would, a werewolf. <laughs> and I mean, that may that may be that may be like a like a weird side story. But right. to me, that was a very weird side story. To, yes, no, but correct. to me, it added to to an experience. Yeah. You you I mean, it's not the same for you guys. You'd already seen it. Yeah, nobody had confused me for Taylor Long. Exactly. No one was cheering for you and That's and right. yelling and screaming at you. So. It was just different. It was just, it added, I don't know, it added fuel to the fire, to the hype. And so watching that movie, I think afterwards we ended up going to eat shawarma because of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was all right. Was just like, just, this movie was great. I think just, you wanted to. No, the shawarma. Oh, the shawarma. The movie was great. The shawarma was all right. The shawarma was, was mid right. for me. Oh, wow. It's the first time I had shawarma. Was like, Did you like it? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't go with you guys. You keep telling the story, and I I didn't have shawarma. You were there. We didn't have shawarma right afterwards. We had it, like, months later. Months later? Yeah. Okay, like that might have happened. Yeah. Every time you guys tell me the story, it was a place by your house. You, you make it sound like we went directly to the yeah, shawarma. No, oh, no, it wasn't after. Oh, okay. It wasn't, because it was 12. Maybe I've just well, missed it. The shawarma was not open at 3 a.m. Okay. But I also think that you wanted to share an anecdote about my brother dressing oh, yes. up for this film. Your brother came dressed as Thor. Yeah. But, like... Bargain bin. Thor. Bargain bin, like, DIY Thor. Yeah. With with the tin can, like yeah, he had tin cans for the, the the chest plate. Yes, and I remember he had um electrical tape. What is it like? The, yeah, the silver duct tape just wrapped around his shoes and legs to create the boots, the silver boots. And he had he had the hat and the little hammer. Yeah, he had a, he had a little hammer as in he had like one of those meat grinding hammers. Yeah. What I love about uh, what I love about this movie is that it has Joss Whedon as. The director, and I feel like this might be the first time you guys, where you have someone that's already into that pop culture, that sci-fi. Okay. 
uh, come in and do it. You know, he 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 did he does us. Uh, Firefly, he does Serenity, he does... Um, but those weren't very big ventures. Those weren't big ventures, right? But you have someone that's already into something that's... I don't want to say... Nerd, in genre. In genre, in genre. nerdy, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, he does that. He he did uh, Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Blob. Um, so I think I love the fact that he we get you get one of us to direct this movie. Right. One of us? Josh Whedon's one of us? Well, not anymore, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, it was a different we time. We have similar things in common. You either live long enough. <laughs> so Iron Man three phase kicks two. off phase, phase two. two. Yeah, and this this I think received mixed reception from fans. I love this movie. I personally love this movie. I, I agree. This movie is great. Shane Black's a great director. I love Kiss Kiss Bam Bam. Uh, he worked with Robert Downey Jr. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Um. So I'm pretty sure he got this job because Robert Downey Jr. recommended him, and um. It's a Christmas movie. I'm always down for new Christmas movies. In May. Yeah. In May, but well, because they do that, because it's not like a Christmas movie like The Grinch or Arthur Christmas. When, so you're gonna when sell did the Die Hard come out. I'm not really sure. Okay. But I, I with the point here is that Iron Man Three is a big Marvel movie, so it comes out for the summer, but you're gonna sell the Blu ray for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. So because usually and I don't know if you remember this, back in the day a Christmas movie used to come out for Christmas. And they used to hold it 12 months, and the Blu-ray would come around November for the holidays, October mm, okay. or November. So the window for a holiday movie used to be way longer, and it would disappear. Like, there would be months where yeah. it wasn't there because you're going to make more money later. So, But this is, in a, this is a Marvel movie. It comes out in the summer. Then you double dip it. But I think the directing super good. I love this movie. I thought the whole sequence of the, whole, of the suits mm-hmm. coming in, getting oh, in and out. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I thought it was so creative. Yeah. I think if you could, you thought you couldn't get bigger. Yeah, fifty Iron Man simultaneously. I, was, I don't know why people don't like this movie. I think the controversial part is the Mandarin, the Mandarin review. Part? Yeah, but even then, that pays off ten years later. Yeah, well, I mean, some might argue it's a retcon, so it's like kind of trying to fix an issue, which is what I think it's. This establishes what's going to be good from this point on. Where if you like something, we're going to give you more of it. If you didn't like something, we're going to pivot. And we're still going to honor, you know, what we've done in the past, but we can kind of nip tuck and get a narrative that kind of is more pleasing for everyone. So I love, yeah, they make it work. I love the Mandarin reveal because I do think the traditional depictions of the Mandarin were antiquated and just didn't have a place in, in today's society. So like, I love Ben Kingsley. He's totally not Asian. You know, <laughs> so and that caricature, I think the movie had a lot to say with that, like subversion. And like you said, if you didn't like that, well, it's going to it's going to play out later. Yeah. For you. Any other thoughts? Miami. I love the movie. Miami. Man, three takes place in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, port of Miami. Remember? That like, whole sequence with the suit. It's like in the Port of Miami. At the end. At the end, yeah. Okay, but the whole movie doesn't take... He's, like, stranded in, like, some snowy... Chattanooga, baby. Oh, that's right. Chattanooga, Tennessee. I don't know if it was actually filmed in Chattanooga. But it takes place yeah, in Chattanooga. Yeah, but it takes place in Chattanooga. Yeah. So I love this movie. We had two of the two really big cities. Not at the time, but... Oh, Miami at the time, but Chattanooga was later on. So when I rewatched it, when I did my rewatch for Iron Man mm-hmm. 3, I was like, oh, Chattanooga. Oh, I completely forgot that they were in those two cities. So it means more to me now. Wow. Wow, that's great. Thor The Dark World comes next. 
this is a probably the low point for phase two. And yeah. I think arguably for the entire MCU. Pretty much. Until recently. But we'll get there eventually. Uh, in the Infinity Saga, this is probably the weakest film. I still think it's pretty good. I personally like this movie. I, I watch it in my rewatch. I know Thor. I mean, I know that Loki stole the movie. Yeah, again, absolutely. But I don't remember much of it. Okay, so. Listen. I mean, we're going back to what my difference between Thor and this one. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. His eyebrows were fixed. Yeah, and so, I think that to me, I don't know, man. When I saw the when I saw the first Thor, I was like, man, this is really off. -putting. Are his eyebrows no longer blonde, right? Yeah, they were like bleached or something. Yeah, they bleached them. So what the are they now? Movie. It was strange. They They're were just like as normal. natural. Yeah, there was normal. So you're telling me? I think his hair was better too. Yeah, yeah, because they bleached his hair also. So in mm -hmm. canon, does uh, Thor do his eyebrows constantly or? I think in Asgard, he used to dye them. Oh, okay. And I think he's just too busy now with all this Avenger stuff. Mm, he forgot to dye that them. Makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It also might be the uh, like the ozone layer in, the, the world, in Earth. Earth. The, yeah, too the, much the explosion. The ozone layer. Mm. Yeah. So once it's depleted, yeah. they're going to come back. Yeah. So Thor the Dark World. I like, again, all the Asgard stuff. I love the stuff with Frigga, Loki's mother. Um, spoilers, 2013. Um I know it's two years from now since I know 2011, <laughs> but um, her death, um, the relationship between Loki and Frigga. She dies in this movie? Yeah, this is where she dies. Oh, wow. And then this is where... Jamie Alexander is in this movie. Yeah, she, she is, yeah. Is she? Yeah, okay. she is. She disappears for the third one. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, Jamie is Alexander, and they kind of hint a romance. Right. Like I the people of Asgard. Kind of yeah, wanted yeah. that. Want it. I'm I'm interested in still exploring that possibly. You can still maybe. explore it, yeah. But um, and I like that. I like that dynamic. You don't know where it's going. Is Give it Jamie? Is it? And um, all that stuff is great. I think Loki, like you said, steals the movie. But the villain is the weak. villain. Yeah, is I think weak, that yeah. was that was the weak. That's a lot of people's gripes about it. Is the villain is very forgettable. Yeah, Malekith, right? Malekith. Yeah, Malekith. I'm not super into the Malekith character in the comics. Like I'm not familiar with him. But I hear that, like, you know, comic book fans are like, he's such an interesting character. And I heard that the actor, the Doctor Who guy, what's what's his name? So many. I remember that's also true. Uh, he was in Gone in sixty seconds. Uh, Eccleston, C Christopher Eccleston, e Eccleston, Nicholas yeah, Cage. Eccleston. Um, he plays Malekith, and I heard that he researched the character and like fell in love with like the comic book depiction mm. of him and then they like cut a bunch of his scenes oh man that sucks. Oh, that does all that suck. hard work yeah so people feel that he was wasted and the character was wasted and i know this went through some developmental turmoil too and we lost natalie portman because of it for yeah. a cup for several years i mean technically up until this point because she'll come back later but it'll be using footage from this movie was the turmoil related to the director? Yeah. yeah. Patty Jenkins was a big Yeah, so director, she right? was a big proponent for getting Patty Jenkins, Jenkins who would yeah. go on to direct Wonder Woman, so good things still happen to you know, yeah. wait. But, she, yeah, she gets removed from this position. There was turmoil around Phase 2 about the creative direction. Um, and the reality is that it, it caused a split. We lost, uh, Natalie we lost Natalie Portman. At this time, and fans came out underwhelmed, which I could see why they're underwhelmed. I still think it's an important chapter, and I think movies that are to come will help like recontextualize it. Yeah, hot take. Yeah, um, I think I'd rather watch Thor two more than Thor one. 
Yeah, that's kind of a hot take. It's yeah. a very hot take. Um, I think it's because, like we said, the town. Yeah. The town season Thor. I I feel like the the stuff in London. And I don't know. I thought it was more enjoyable than really the stuff in the town. Really. Not Setting not like up. the Asgard. Not sorry. Not the Asgard stuff. Yeah. But like towards like the third act of the film. Right. I don't know. For me. You like setting up weather, um, wands, yeah, uh, in order. Okay, I love all of it. I, my my favorite part of that is when Thor's hammer flies by, and Kat Dennings is like meow meow, meow meow. She says like meow meow. See, Thor's a better movie. Thor one is a better movie. Okay, but I think I don't know. I think if I have to rewatch them, I think I'd probably watch Thor two. Right. I also think because of stuff that happens later. The other thing is, I think this is the first movie we talk about the after credits, where like the after credits happens in the after credits. So they destroy the Bifrost in which movie? In Thor one, right? And then he just finds a way using uh, the All Father magic to come back in Avengers. And then how does he get on Earth in this movie? Uh, the All Father sends him. Okay. He had to summon a lot. Oh, but then the All Father dies. No, that didn't happen. Just no. kidding. Okay, I don't even remember. I know that like Thor leaves at the end of the movie, and then Thor returns. Yeah, he like his recommends. his dad his dad sends him. They don't have the Bifrost, but I, right. like it's that Loki says it. He's like, how much power did the did the All Father have to conjure to? That's not true. No, that's later. That's on. A, no, that's in Avengers. <laughs> that's in Avengers. Right? You know what? We don't remember what happened in this movie. Yeah, okay, I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna move on. We obviously like Thor: The Dark World, but not enough to remember anything that happened in it, except Frigga died. But um, the next chapter is Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which yes. for many people, including myself, is the high point of the MCU. Yes, get the Russo brothers to direct. That's right. And I love the Russo brothers. I love their work in Arrested Development, Community, and the fact that they picked them up to like show like these TV show directors. I thought that was. Right. It took a chance on them, mm-hmm. and it paid off big for Marvel. Yeah, and for the Russo brothers. Yeah. And for us. And for us. Yeah. What makes this movie so great? feels different. doesn't feel like a superhero movie. We're in, uh, how many movies have we done right now? We're in, this is the eighth movie. Oh, I thought you were the going MCU. to count them one by one. No, again. did the math. <laughs> this is the eighth movie in the MCU, and yeah. it's the one that finally feels different, in my opinion. It doesn't, it's. I don't classify it as a superhero movie. It's it, it's more of an espionage movie. Yes, Honestly. absolutely. It's it, grounded. Yeah. It feels like uh, it looks very serious. It feels like a Jason Bourne yeah. movie. Or if I'm gonna Mission compare Impossible. a movie to The Dark Knight, if yeah. Captain America movie to Dark Knight, it's this one. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. I I think this might be the best movie in the MCU. I love this one. Yeah, and Captain America has powers, but he doesn't do anything that like Bruce Willis doesn't do. In like the fourth or fifth <laughs> Die Hard movie, even the commercials. Yeah, even the Die Hard battery commercial. Um, it's just a great film. Yeah. Oh, the villain. Spoilers: Alexander Pierce. Um, Robert Redford. Robert, Robert Redford. Yeah. That's another big get. It's funny because we're in the middle of phase two and we're still being impressed by these castings. Like we haven't come to the conclusion that they can get whoever they, they want. want. Yeah. You know, and Robert Redford is a big get, and he's amazing. He's, he's so good. And I think they introduced, well, they didn't, they reintroduced, but the Winter Soldier. Yes. Who would come out to be a, another iconic character, Bucky, mm-hmm. and how he comes back and, and his part in the story. is just, there's a lot of intrigue and mystery. Like, who is this dude? And 
like you said, it's like an espionage thriller and, and with the, the, the reveal with it being Hydra. And I remember you used to, you would tell me how you would watch it along with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you just elaborate a bit Yeah, on so like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just came out, right? Right before this movie was still season mm-hmm. one, right? And season one is like, okay, it's a ragtag group of, you know, young, sexy uh, agents. With Coulson. Yeah, who are globetrotting. Who's not dead. Yeah, who's not dead. So technically, like, mm. didn't spoil it for I you. I didn't spoil anything. He you. didn't die. I'm not a bad guy. Yeah, you're not a disgusting person. Um, So Captain America, the Winter Soldier, comes out in the middle of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it kind of took a while for that show to get on its feet and, like, find its legs. But there's, like, a big character turn. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. randomly falls apart in the middle of the series. And it's like, I remember the the episode. I remember there's an episode where they showed the day. It was the night before the movie comes out. And they showed that clip from Winter Soldier where Fury is like running for his life and the everyone's trying to kill him. And the Winter Soldier just like blows him, blows the car over. And then it cuts. And it's like, go watch Winter Soldier. And then the next week, S.H.I.E.L.D. falls on the show. And it was like, you're rewarded for going back and forth. Like, I saw S.H.I.E.L.D. on Wednesday. I saw Winter Soldier on Thursday. And then next Wednesday, it picks up right where the movie left off. And that's where I think it sold me on the interconnectivity. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it's an experience. You can't replicate it, I don't think. It, it yeah. doesn't happen in real time. Especially because it turns out later, like, that scene wasn't even part of the episode it was just they showed it to us because the movie was coming out. Yeah. You know, the next day. So the cliffhanger was for a movie that wasn't even part of the show. It was just it was incredible. So Captain America, the Winter Soldier, takes the series in a brand new direction. And speaking of new directions, the next film, Guardians of the Galaxy by James Gunn. I love this movie. I think uh this might be this is my favorite movie in the phase, in phase two. Yeah. is my second favorite movie in the whole MCU. Wow. Um, But I love this movie so much. It takes a big risk with these lesser known characters. Yeah. Right? And it's not until 2000, four years later in 2018, where these characters are finally introduced to the characters of the MCU. Yeah. So you take a risk on these characters and you hold them there like on the shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. Because you don't see it all played out until Infinity War. And this is even bigger risk than like if we said Iron Man was a big risk no, this for is the even first bigger, movie. Yeah. I don't even know who these guys. I know were. who these guys were. Yeah, like I read Guardians of the Galaxy growing up. Like very, I'm not into the cosmic space stuff. I think we've covered that here in the past. But the lineup was completely different. So these characters, I literally didn't know any of them. Grew. This was a cold sell for me on every single one of them. And man, did they deliver! Mm. The humor, the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack, the special effects, mm-hmm. the the action. Man, this is this is the complete package yeah. right here. I love this movie, man. Like one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is because as this movie is coming out, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of Parks and Rec. I'm watching Parks and Rec as it's mm-hmm. going on, and the fact that I got to see Andy a fit Andy Dwyer up there be a superhero, <laughs> you know, be a Burt yeah. Macklin FBI with, with of space. I was just so happy to see that man. Like yes, Chris Pratt loved it, and then. Not only that, I just love the way you said you talk about the humor. I love where James Gunn takes the movie. Yeah. Um, it's like if Winter Soldier is one genre, this movie is another genre. Yeah. Uh, they start to get they, experimental. They start to get experimental. Yeah. And these right. two 
So I love the sense of humor. I love where James Gunn takes the story. And I believe it's the success to this story is one of the reasons why we're later able to get someone like Taika Waititi to do Thor uh, Ragnarok. So that's why, to me, this movie's special. Right. Sometimes it feels like we have too much of a good thing. There's so many good movies. And since this is like dead center in the middle of the MCU, yeah. it's hard to see them as individual parts. But if this movie wasn't tied to anything, man, this movie might be like this generation Star Wars. Is that yeah. is that a crazy I can see that. idea? Like, wow. It was... I don't feel like Dune might be there. Okay, I could see that. I think that... I think I, I, think I agree with your statement. Yeah. Because it's like a you, contender. Because yeah. you have no... Unless like you're a diehard Guardians fan, like you really have no expectations. Yeah, and I think that was was one of the sweeping qualities of this of this movie is that no one really knows what to expect. They're not really sure. Like you said, it was a cold sell. And for me personally, like I didn't watch the movie when it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. And when I did watch it, like everyone had like I didn't, it wasn't overhyped. Yeah, because it like you said it delivers. I didn't spoil anything this time. Character development for for Link. Yeah. But I think that as we, as you guys watched it, you guys absolutely loved it. And for me, like, it, it was pretty hyped. Everyone was saying, like, go watch it, go watch it, go watch it. It's so good. And I didn't get to really get to watch it until it came out, like, um, like in home. And so then I watched it. I was like, this movie's fantastic. And I still had the expectations. Were like, I didn't know what to, obviously, I didn't know what it was about. But people were still talking about it. People love this movie. And I'm like, okay, is it really going to be as good? And... I, I still think it blew me out of the water. It also makes... It's a difficult movie to spoil because, like you said, you still didn't know what to expect at yeah. home. Yeah. Because it's like, you don't know anybody and it's not tied to anything. So... Because, like, if you watch Winter Soldier... If you didn't watch Winter Soldier, someone can come up to you and be like, Shield falls. Yeah. Right? Or Fury fakes his death or whatever, you know? But you can't do that with this movie. Like, what are you going to tell? Groot dies. <laughs> I mean, but but then he doesn't. I think or it, he's born again. I think it would definitely was a step in the right direction to... To really allow these directors some some creativity yeah. to do what mm. they do, you could see like mm. you could it, it's like it displays that uh, Feige allows can allow the directors the freedom that they need, um, and I think it it worked. I think that it worked, and for later projects to come, they they realize like I think that's where you realize that we know like they know what they're doing. Right. That brings us to the next chapter, which has quite a legacy to live up to. Age of Ultron, Avengers Age of Ultron has to be the second Avengers movie. How'd that pan out? It was the stakes are bigger. Mm-hmm. You get more heroes. Right. I wouldn't say it's as good as the first one. I'm not gonna lie. I fell asleep during this movie. Okay. We watched this movie. Not not necessarily because yeah. like it was boring or anything. I mean, I had a uh I had a long I had a, a soccer tournament that we had Okay, so played the night before. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that influenced me because I had watched the movie. I had watched Avengers, and someone asked me, "Oh, like, did you like Avengers?" Yeah, I was okay. Yeah, I didn't remember half of that movie. Right. And so it wasn't until like years later that I go back and I watch it, and I'm like, with the thought in my head, "This movie's okay. It's yeah. all right." But then I watch it, and I was like, "I really enjoy this movie." Yeah. It was like it was basically like watching it for the first time again. That is a testament, though, to like the quality of the film itself, because if it was Avengers, the first one, I don't see myself. I could have been sleep deprived and waterboarded for 72 hours before Avengers. I don't see myself falling asleep during that movie. Yeah. So obviously, and maybe we were spoiled, too, because we expected so much. I think there's a lot of characters in this movie. I didn't know what to expect. 
I didn't expect Vision to be in the movie. <laughs> I was surprised when it happened. I'm happy that that's the launching point for that character because we're going to get so much more from him. And Vision and Scarlet Witch, I was never big fans in the comic book. Uh, West Coast Avengers, not my favorite title. But, West Coast? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, this sets the groundwork for a lot. And I think we are still unsure because there's a lot of strands in this movie that go in different directions. And when we came out of the movie, we were like, where was that going? Where is that headed? Yeah. And we still hadn't like figured, this is all pointing to something else. Although I know that that was stifling creative for Josh Whedon at this time. So there was also a lot of questions about like stuff that had to be in the movie. But Josh didn't really have a place for it. He was like, I want to tell this story. And they're like, well, you also have to set up this movie and this yeah. movie and that movie. Because this movie sets up you know, Black Panther. Because Claw appears in it. Mm-hmm. You know, War. they talk about it sets up Civil War. Zemo. Yeah. Um, it sets up... <laughs> WandaVision, I mean, one, is it one? Yeah, it will, yeah. It sets up, you know, Scarlet Witch and Vision, whatever yeah. they're going to do, you know, in the future from this. There's, it introduces a lot of yeah. new characters and worlds and elements. And the vision that Thor has for Ragnarok. Yeah. You know? And I don't really think they had a plan yet. They didn't know what Ragnarok was going to look like, but he has the vision anyways. I did like this movie. when it, I mean, when it came out, you watch these movies, you're on, you're, you're on a high from them. Like, oh, this movie's great. I did think that it was better than uh first one that mm-hmm. came out. But after rewatching it, um, after watching rewatching all the movies in chronological order for Endgame, I realized okay. Yeah. Well, after after you know with time, I'm like all right, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, you're like good. oh, we needed this movie. We needed this movie. It's good, but it's not. A, I prefer the Avengers. And I think we become more open minded as the phases kind of flesh out because sometimes we go to a movie and we're like, oh, this is a chapter in a series rather than. If Guardians is its own isolated thing, we start to see these movies as kind of the next step. Yeah. So we anticipate, like, it wasn't so much about what happened here, but where it's going to take us. And then that begins the speculation and everything. Mm -hmm. Phase two. Yeah, go ahead. I think the film is necessary. It is. Yeah, absolutely. That's basically, that's my gist with it. Phase two ends weirdly. I think it ends in a high note. (laughs) Well, the movie's good, but it's, we were so, we were used to Avengers and like, you're obviously going to think the big Avengers movie is going to end, but there's kind of like an epilogue in Phase 2, which we see is going to kind of become a tradition, so to speak. Ant-Man finishes Phase 2. So as our final title, what were your thoughts on Ant-Man? Okay, so I love Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Not because of the character Ant-Man. Okay. But because of Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd's my favorite actor. If, there were, if I were to choose an actor to play me when I'm 40... For my movie, this is 42. It's going to be Paul Rudd. And you know what? He'll still look younger than me. So I love Paul Rudd. He's one of my favorite actors. Right? Paul Rudd is my favorite Avenger. And when I say that, I don't mean that Ant-Man's my favorite Avenger. <laughs> I mean the character, Paul Rudd himself, is an Avenger in, the, in my MCU. Okay. He is. So I love him. Did you just say that the name of your uh, biographical film would be This is 42? Yeah, you know, because that Judd Apatow movie, This is 40. Yeah. Oh, so it it'd be like forty and then the number two, or you or it would start when you're forty two. Oh see, it's ambiguous. Oh you can't tell. Oh, it wasn't like T O O. It's creative, huh? Yeah, forty forty T O O or oh, is it would it be forty T O O? Or is it too- ambiguous, you know? Too fast. Too fast too fast two forty. <laughs> too fast two forty starring Paul Rudd. But I love this movie so much because of Paul Rudd. However, 
something that Gabriel said when it was talking when they were talking about Guardians. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the freedom that Feige and, and Marvel gives to the directors. Yeah, I feel like, and I, I agree with you. They do give them freedom to do things, and like as you said earlier, for for Age of Ultron, Joss Whedon kind of fights that freedom because he wants right. to tell his own story, but mm-hmm. he can't because he's he's doing a culmination. Yeah, and I do wonder. Because this movie was supposed to be directed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. And I love Edgar Wright. And I know that Edgar Wright had a vision for this, but it wasn't what Kevin Feige and Marvel wanted. Well, I also remember that there was there was conflict backstage because around this time in fight we, we talked about a couple of films because the Dark World is here too and there was creative differences there. So that's how many films are in phase two? Six. Six. We just talked about three movies that had creative. But this issues one must backstage. have been but I know that there was a a battle between Ike Perlmutter, I believe is his name, who was in charge of Marvel TV, and Kevin Feige, because they were trying to make these two different studios work cohesively, and they had very different visions mm-hmm. of what they wanted, and they and they both had a say in what happens in each other's division. And this turmoil, I mean, we're almost lucky that we survived through Phase Two. Because then they start, because of these issues, they give the power over to Kevin Feige. And they just go, listen, you're, you're Marvel Studios. And, and TV is something separate. And that's why we kind of see that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. backs off and it stops like connecting mm-hmm. directly with the films. So this is, I think, the straw that broke the camel's back. Edgar Wright exits. And Joe Cornish, right? They, Joe, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish produce it. Right. They exit. Um, they were going to direct gonna, and write, but yeah, it has to go through right a rewrite gonna, yeah. and a new director. So, yeah, you're right. Um, they exit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that up until then, this is probably the biggest director that Marvel gets. Right. The most popular director. Adam get. McKay? No, no, no. Oh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Adam McKay writes it. He oh, Adam McKay writes it. Yeah. And yeah, even actually, then, and remember even that. then, Adam McKay is only doing uh, Will Ferrell movies at the time. Right. Well, because uh, I remember that because Paul Rudd gets cast. So we're thinking it's going to be a comedy. It's, it's Ant Man. What a joke. Ant Man comedy, <laughs> right? And it's yeah. one of the reasons what I love, one of the things I love about um, Guardians of the Galaxy is that it's, 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 there's, it's a Marvel movie, right? But it's comedy and it's, there's some tension there, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as, it's not as, it's more funnier than a, yeah. than a Marvel movie, right? And I, th- so you have two styles. You have the Marvel style, right? And then you have Edgar Wright style. Mm-hmm. And I want that tension because I feel like that's what makes movie interesting. Yeah. That tension, right? But because Edgar Wright, like I said, he's, a, he's the most popular director they pick up at that time. Mm-hmm. There's egos there. Yeah. There's his ego and his success yeah. versus, you know, the production. Yeah. And the, what, the obvious success that they have, right? Mm-hmm. And I would love to see what a Edgar Wright Ant Man movie by Paul, with Paul Rudd looks like, but we don't get it. Is it safe to say that you would have liked to have seen this movie? I would have loved to. Yeah. And that's what I want. I disagree with you. See, but then because we we'll talk about this later. We <laughs> same thing with uh with with Solo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we may have touched upon this, but yeah, we disagree. You you. Yeah. I I'm 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 for like all right. Let the director who has who has success in this do his thing. Obviously, you have to guide him. Yeah, and I understand the the other direction. You know, the the, the other token. Um, Marvel has been they've been successful throughout this whole time. They know what they're doing. There's rumors and hearsay about what Edgar Wright would have done with this film, 
I know that a big one that has been consistent, you know, throughout the years is that Hank Pym would have been the villain of this movie. Yeah. And I think that that was a big, according to rumors, again, and speculation, that was a big dividing point mm. between Marvel. And I don't think that would have worked. Hey, how do you make Hank Pym a, well, I guess. Well, because in the <laughs> Ultimates comics, Hank Pym is like an abusive um, husband. And, and, and I mean, he's, yeah, he's basically a villain, I guess. He's not a villain villain, although I think he would have been a villain in this movie. But he's just like, he's not worth being on the team. And he, he's a bad guy. And I think they were, he was going to go with that. And Marvel Studios was not about that. Mm. They, they needed, especially because they get the actor Michael oh, they, Douglas. They got Michael Douglas, another yeah. big name. Yeah, and I don't think they were going to... Yeah, I don't think they were going to... And we do get another movie with Michael Douglas. Yeah, and, he's, and he gets to be Ant-Man, basically. Yeah. You know? So, this movie... I would have loved it. Yeah. I, I'm glad we got the movie that we got. I think it fits more in. And that ends phase two for us. And that ends us kind of on a on a wonky note because we like phase two, but it's riddled with just creative differences. There is a method in comic book writing known as the Marvel method where the writer gives a basic outline to the artist in how to draw the comic. The outline guides what the story is going to be, but it's not written like script. Every single thing that they're going to say hasn't been written. The artist has freedom to paint the canvas and frame each panel the way that they want. Then the writer goes back and fills in the dialogue to follow the story that they had worked together to create, artist and writer. It has its pros and it has its cons, but it's worked for Marvel for decades. This was established with Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and the other collaborators. Jack that, Kirby. Yeah, Jack Kirby, who worked with Lee. I think they find their footing here where they realize we need to take control of this, but we need to give creative freedom for them to lay out the panels, so to speak, the way that the director's and the writers need to. So we get more leeway from this point on. So phase two is where we learn the lessons in what I like to call, or what we like to call, the Marvel movie method. There's a lot of growing pains in phase one and two. Yeah. I think they're working out the kinks. Yeah, they're working out the kinks for sure. When it, If it's budget, if it's casting, if it's writing and directing, they're working out the kinks. And I think it definitely pays off for what comes next. Right. So that's why we've entitled this two-part series, The Marvel Movie Method. And next time, we're going to continue to explore these stories, these defining stories for a generation over a decade now who have shaped so many people around the world. And we're going to continue to explore, again, what we call The Marvel Movie Method. And we're going to search for how the stories that we told in phase one and two, that we experienced how they shaped the direction that the Marvel Cinematic Universe and maybe even our universe that we live in takes for years to come. And until next time, keep on searching.